Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. How patients move from one facility to another, like our data kind of stops at the door of the hospital, but transport and leakage are important topics. I think that I have kind of a, an unconventional path when it comes to both how I came to be in healthcare and whatever the topic is or the place that you find yourself. I think that that's the first foundational element is, is you really do need to care. This episode is brought to you by EHR Go. Go is a simulated electronic health record with a catalog of realistic and diverse patient care scenarios included. Go helps educators teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare. Find out more at healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash go girl. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash G-O-G-I-R-L. Today's episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. Chirpy Bird, Inc. is a health IT consultancy. They're helping medical practices and organizations of all sizes with privacy and security risk assessments. This important annual exercise is going to cover all of the administrative, physical, and technical components you need to safeguard your patient health information and electronic patient health information. You can find them online at chirpybirdinc.com. Thanks, Chirpy Bird. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where we're dedicated to amplifying the career journey, accomplishments, and lessons learned of women everywhere. I'm your host, Joy Rios. And I'm your other host, Robin Roberts. During the day, together we run a health IT consultancy known as Chirpy Bird Inc., where we get to geek out on all things healthcare, technology, and policy. But along the way, Joy noticed that so many women were running organizations, but too few were leading or being recognized. So we decided to change that. Together, we're learning about the puzzle that is healthcare and sharing what we find with you, our listeners. You can expect us to be talking with some pretty badass women. We will even be exploring how the pandemic is impacting many of their professional lives this season. We've also formed a private community of both guests and listeners over on Slack to help make connections, offer support to one another, and share the resources we come across. If you want to join us, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com forward slash community. And this week, our Hit Like a Girl Pod Slack community shout-outs go to Anne, Carly, Danielle, Jasmine, Jenny, and Karen. And this week's virtual high-five goes to Anne for finishing her dissertation on communication and teamwork in obstetric emergencies. High-five! 
All right, enough already. There are too many awesome women to talk with. Let's get started. Jalen, thank you so much for joining us. You know, we like in healthcare and health IT and medicine to basically like, it's like a 5,000 piece puzzle nowadays. And, you know, no one can know everything or be an expert at everything, but everybody seems to own a piece of the puzzle. So tell us a little bit about you and your piece of the healthcare puzzle. Well, Robin and Joy, thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to join you on the podcast today. I think that I have kind of a an unconventional path when it comes to both how I came to be in healthcare and and also now how I'm in healthcare and aviation. When you talk about a 5,000-piece puzzle of healthcare, I think we've added to that here by adding another 5,000 for aviation to mix it up a bit. But I am an English major, and so I like to share that because I think it gives hope to all the parents out there who send their kids to college that are worried that nothing, nothing good will ever come of a liberal arts degree. I was and, one too. Uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe as a ray of hope for all those liberal arts majors, you know, who've just graduated and proudly have their degree and now they're wondering, you know, what will become of me and where will my life take me? So it's proof that you can earn a living as an English major doing something besides teaching. So that, that's kind of the first thing that, that I would share. The second thing I think is interesting is I don't have an MBA. And that's kind of a dark little secret that I don't mention it a lot. A lot of times I think in the role that I'm in, people assume that I do, but I do not. So that makes it even a little more strange and unconventional. But I started out actually in just tech. So I started out at Novell and actually at WordPerfect before that. So that just makes me sound super, super old. But it was all, it started with writing and kind of getting into writing and documentation. And from there, it evolved into marketing and kind of doing different things and had some great experiences while I did that. And I, it's actually the internet that came along and doing web pages. This was kind of back before I was Peter Principled out of being able to actually do real work. I could build websites. And that's what I did as I was leaving um, Novell. And then that's what I went to 3M to begin doing. So that's how they recruited me over. And I was responsible for putting up their first external website at their health information systems division, as well as the internal website for employees. So that was the beginning of my story. And from there, it was really just about taking opportunities as they came. I, I learned two things. One, ask for what you want. And two, take the job that nobody else really wants to do. And you progress and you can, if you have a plan, you can get where, where you want to go. And so I think that's kind of my, my synopsis of kind of how I evolved and really became president of 3M Health Information Systems, which is a subsidiary of 3M. It's a software company that's pretty ubiquitous and installed in most of the, the hospitals in the country today. And after that, I was invited by GE to come over and be chief commercial officer there for their healthcare digital area and work globally with them on doing that. And then I had this very unconventional offer to come to Air Methods, which is a combination of critical care EMS, think of it as a flying ambulance, um, connected obviously with aviation. And so that seemed interesting and difficult and fit the pattern of it was something I really didn't know much about. So I thought, well, why not try it? Because what's the worst that could happen? I could fail. (laughs) So that brought me to Air Methods and I led the commercial side, kind of the sales and marketing side coming over here and and then stepped into the CEO role um, this past January. So that's a little bit about me. I think what's important is what we do at Air Methods. We are 
a supplier of medical airlift. And we all know them as air ambulances. And I think some important things about our business and how we fit into the overall healthcare picture is we're dispatched. We don't self-dispatch. So we're dispatched by physicians or EMS providers when someone um, is in need of critical care. And we serve in large part um, rural populations that have little access to healthcare through any other venue. In fact, in many places, um, we're the only link that people have to critical care is through an air ambulance. And so we're very deeply embedded in those communities and providing a critical link in our healthcare system today for rural access. And that's really what we do. So I think some of the challenges of the puzzle for us, and she said there's 5,000 puzzle pieces, is that I think that the air medical industry is not well understood by many of our providers and that the billing processes have been a challenge and they are now largely misunderstood. Whether it's patients, legislators, insurance representatives, the hospital administrators, the, the list can go on. And we have been working very hard as a company to go in network so that this is a provided service because I think the prevailing idea that comes to people's minds or the soundbite that is so frequently picked up by stories in the media is about you know the patient who got a gigantic bill. And if I have a passion about why I'm here and what I hope we do is, is I really want patients to be able to know that an air ambulance is there to take care of them when they need it and to save their life. And that they shouldn't have any concern about how that service is going to be paid for because it should be covered by their insurance companies. And so we have a, an initiative and a goal that's been going on for many years, but this year we have a goal to be 100% in network by the end of the year. And the holdouts to that are really the big three payers. So Aetna, United, and Cigna are just unwilling, despite what I think are Herculean efforts and a lot of creativity to try to get in network and to close that gap, which would be huge for the patients as well as for the providers. And so we continue to work really hard at that, but that's, that's what we would like to see happen. That's our business. We're about saving lives and we're about changing the industry so that you know, this can be a covered service and that payment is no longer a concern or a worry for those who are transported and taken care of. You know, I know for a fact a couple of things. A, air transport for medical needs can be really expensive, even in something that's an emergency. But if we're being honest, Insurance doesn't even like to pay for typical things a lot of the time. We hear prior authorization, surprise billing nightmares. For everyone that's listening that doesn't just understand that, but maybe how it intersects in your space for medical air transport, can you tell people about what it's like maybe when an ambulance ride or, or excuse me, air transport isn't available in an emergent event and what usually happens or what can happen? Because I know not all companies like yours aspire to be a network. They end up sending very large bills to some of these patients and their family, or they end up duking it out with insurance. How are you trying to you know, basically conquer this goal? Because it's super important. Exactly. So we are, it is very expensive. So if you think about our operations, just to give you a little bit of perspective, our bases are 24-7. And so that includes a highly equipped helicopter and highly trained medical personnel and a pilot that have to be ready 24-7 to take that call when it comes. And on average, we estimate that just keeping a base open is about $3 million of cost a year. And so you're correct when you say that it's a really expensive service. 
to provide. And I think the challenge is, is that for the longest time, this was not covered. This was not an in-network service. And now um, we've been working really hard for almost three years, really, to be going in-network. And what that means is basically getting you know, the insurers to cover it. And so we've had great success. We're in-network with most of the blues. And even this year, we've signed about seven more contracts to get in-network. And what you described is what our patients experience. So when you're out of network, that's when there's an, you know, payments made and there's a back and forth with the insurance company. And often the patient is in the middle and that can be uncomfortable for them. One way we've addressed that is to assign a patient advocate. So for patients that we transport, we assign them a patient advocate and um, that patient actually holds their hand and walks them back and forth with that insurance company to get paid. Because remember, the patient is the person who has the insurance and the right to talk to that insurer. So the first thing we do is we assign a patient advocate that walks them through the process. The second thing that I would share is we have been very successful in reducing the out-of-pocket costs to those patients. So on average, nationally, it is now less than $200 out-of-pocket cost. So what that means is we work with the patient, we exhaust you know, any of the payers they might have to help them pay for that bill. Then we go through and look at charity care and other things that we can do to reduce that bill. And that's our current average is less than $200. It varies a little bit by state. So the two things that we're doing is one, patient advocacy, but two, we are highly, highly focused on going in-network, which should be to everybody's best interest. And really, we, we kind of have this phrase that we use, which is, what's insurance for if it isn't to cover your air medical? And I think maybe for people listening, one of the things that would be really a fact that isn't probably broadly known or understood is how few people are transported in a given year. So when we talk about, will your insurance company cover you? It's like one, like less than like about 1% of everybody that they would cover would actually be transported by air medical. So just think about the people you know in your circle. There are not very many people that actually in their lifetime will ever be transported by an air medical service. And so this is a tiny fraction of, you know, any of the claims that would be paid by any of the insurers. And it would be in the patient's best interest for them to be in network with us. And that's why we're trying every means possible, including this podcast, if we can, or maybe being on your broken healthcare podcast, <laughs> yeah. um, to try and convince the large three insurers to go in network with air medical providers and get the patients out of the middle. Hi, listeners. Does technology and healthcare education sometimes feel like the tail wagging the dog? You should check out EHR Go. Go uses case-based learning to teach a human-centered approach to technology and healthcare education. With more than 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in a realistic, simulated electronic health record, Go helps students build clinical judgment skills and learn to effectively document within an EHR. When working in Go, students must evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs into levels of urgency while making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. Used in all educational healthcare disciplines, Go can be used within or between programs and is the ideal platform for interprofessional education. Web-based, with no software to download or maintain, Go can be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. 
Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash go girl. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash G-O-G-I-R-L. I have a friend who literally went to go hiking on the Pacific Coast Trail. He was out in Mount Shasta, out rural mountains in wintertime, had a terrible accident and did end up having to use, you know, air he was airlifted off to the nearest hospital. I know that he was very grateful for the service and it's the kind of service that nobody ever wants to have to use. But is that something that as people who are seeking adventure or are looking for, you know, especially nowadays when people are going outdoors more and that's the safer place to be, is that something that, that should be on their checklist of things to, ins- to ensure that they have covered, that, like, that their insurance coverage takes care of being airlifted? So I think that's a great question, Joy. And as a matter of course, it would be wonderful if everybody would call their insurance company and ask them if being airlifted is a covered medical service. And the reason I think that would be so great is that it would help us with our goal of getting everyone to come in network with us, especially those large three providers, because I think it would show there's demand from the patients that they cover and that people are thinking of this and they want it to be a covered service. The other thing that I would say is, you know, there's an erroneous thing in the market that's called membership, and there, there's really no point in having one. As we've looked at this and talked about a little bit earlier, our average out-of-pocket cost for air methods is less than $200 across the country. And so you don't need to purchase a membership. It's really no membership required. What we need is for the large insurance companies to come to the table. So you have quite a bit of experience and you've certainly learned a lot, you know, not just about healthcare, but also the air industry, which, I mean, that's a topic we have never covered before on the podcast. I mean, coming from where you sit and where, if you could solve any problem, if there's any issue that you face on a regular basis and that you could take away the challenges of time, money, resources, what problem would you choose to solve and why? Well, first, I think it, it tags well with what we just said, which is I wish parents, didn't, I mean, the patients didn't have to worry about their health care coverage and could get access to the care that they need, especially this life-saving care that kind of happens in those most critical moments without the potential of exorbitant out-of-network costs. I think that's the first thing. If I had a 